Well, hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of Narrowgate Podcast. Uh, my name is Ben Hoover, and um, I guess I'll throw this in there. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and uh, yeah, so here we are again. Um, I had just done a podcast uh, talking about lust, my favorite topic. I mean, come on now, who whose ears wouldn't perk up at that? So, um, and now I am talking about something that I have really been chewing on for a long time, and I'm kind of nervous, and I'm kind of excited to talk about this. Um, I just wrote the piece, probably need to edit it. Um, it's it's uh, seven pages long, uh, but um, really, really, uh, I'm satisfied with it. So, so I am going to talk about that on this episode. And before I introduce what it is, yeah, it's just, it's something I've been thinking about for a long time. Um, what it mean? Well, a long time. I guess a long time would be maybe a few months. Um, and just wondering what it meant, how it applies to us. And so let me first start out by saying, you know, I think one of the reasons why people struggle with the Bible. Now, if you hear that word Bible, you might want to turn it off. I beg you, I'm literally begging you not to. Um, and here's why, because it's, it, it's, it's been so at times misunderstood. And I know I say this because here I am giving my interpretation and someone could easily challenge that and, and rightfully so, um, because this is an interpretation of what I read. Um, but I think, I think scripture has these beautiful truths in them that teach us about humanity um, and, and unfortunately, a lot of it's been trying to figure out the puzzle of the divine of God, um, understanding and this heavy focus on God when really God is mysterious. We don't know who God is and I'm not going to use pronouns of he or she or whatever, because God is just mystery. Um, and somehow we're on this earth existing, moving, uh, being moved, humanity is no longer, I mean, less and less, is not the humanity that we have recorded in history and, and what's recorded in the Bible. There's less and less of that. There's this movement towards something greater. So, and the Bible really, I think, shows that and reveals that of humans waking up, of moving in ways of becoming more human, loving, compassionate, uh, and and it's and yes, there is a divine experience happening. Some mysterious force is moving in us and showing us this path of what it means to be human. So, um, if that turns your stomach, well, I don't know what's going to cure that for you. But um, anyway, so I feel like the Bible's been really off-putting because it's been treated in this way of it's a rule book. Um, what does the Bible say about this? It's treated as a manual, and that's not what this is. Um, these are beautiful writings expressing the pains, the joys, the mysteries of um, of human development. And so, um, you know, and then the other aspect too is, is and I'm going to get controversial on this, a warning. There's, we're, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about temptation. We're going to talk about ego. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about um, uh, the path of being, of becoming who we are. So bear, bear with me here. And, 
so anyway, um, and then a lot of, for those that are listening that didn't grow up in the church, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on Jesus and divinity and, and was he God? Was he not? Was he part God? Was he all God? Was he all human? And, and, you know, to some that's really important. I'll be honest to me, it's not that important. Um, it really isn't, and that might, you know, your heart might be pounding at this, You're, you might become a little disoriented, because, you know, the reality is, like, there's just mystery in this whole freaking life, and so, anyway, there becomes, you know, in order to get in the club of kind of the modern Christian society, you've got to, you know, believe that Jesus was fully divine and feel fully human, and that he's God, and all this stuff, um, but, but, Honestly, I think becoming so hyper-focused on that loses the beautiful understanding and teachings of what these stories are trying to communicate. Um, and so there's become such a staunch focus on correct theological belief and uh, having to agree on, you know, on these correct theological stipulations or constructs or concepts. And, uh, and we really miss... Uh, the how these stories can really impact us and challenge us and what they're drawing out in us. So, um, so I think you know, I think because there's such an emphasis on these texts are about showcasing the divine and God's glory and yada yada yada. That that it's like, well, how is that even relevant then? How 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 you know we're reading this like how. What does that mean? What do we do? We have to try harder. We have to try to believe harder. We have to try to please God. But that's the problem that's been embedded in humanity is we've lived trying to please a divine, trying to please others, trying to, and, and I don't, and I think the message in scripture is actually teaching us something different. And I'll explain that today. So, uh, so I think too, when we read the Bible in this way of um, trying to understand God, it creates something that's like kind of esoteric and intangible and it's far reaching and it's kind of elusive like why read it and that's that would have been my approach in the past of like I don't even want to read it because I feel guilt because I don't read it and then when I do read it it's so boring as hell and it, it's just it's not enjoyable like I'd, I'd rather go read a good fiction and I don't like reading fiction so anyway um so, but but what if we moved and pushed this whole divinity argument to the side, and what if we might discover something so, these beautiful truths being illuminated for us, these, these truths embedded in these stories that can help us move further, that change us, that impact us for the better. And so that brings me to this story, this whole point of this podcast, is I want to talk about the temptation in the desert that Jesus encounters. So in the book of Matthew which is a part of the, the, the four gospel stories there. Um, Jesus has been fasting, right? Or, or I'm sorry, actually he's led in the wilderness and he's fast in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he gets really hungry, right? And then, and then, and then he's, he's and, he, and by the way, it says he's led out to the desert by the spirit. And, uh, and, and then he goes through this 40 days of not eating anything, maybe drinking, I'm not sure. But uh, we'll stick to the food part. And, uh, and then there he's tempted by the devil, it says. Um, which is, you know, I find kind of just such a strange scenario. Like, you're led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by some evil force, supposedly evil force. 
And um, why? Like, what is the purpose of this? And then during this meeting, he encounters three specific temptations, um, all of which he resists and then confronts with, with you know, the ancient writings, right? But, but God says this and so on and so forth um, in terms of, he quotes scripture in a way to challenge uh, the, uh, what the devil is, um, trying to, uh, get him to do. So, um, and then we see that Jesus successfully escapes giving in to the pull of these offerings and then the devil flees and, and then there's subsequently, there's some kind of angelic intervention, right? So that's, you know, that's pretty straightforward, right? That happens to you in life. That, that just happened to me last week, right? It's no, and, you know, but, but so, so all of this is just really fascinating to me because why, why does this sort of exist? Why did this person feel that it was important, important to share this, to communicate this? Well, first we have to look at the fact that, that the gospels are, the four gospels are all, all about the process of change, right? And so Matthew um, is about the experience of change and how to move through it, right? So we're just talking about change in general, and we all experience that, right? When something, when we're wrestling with something, we're restless, we're we're um, we're unsatisfied or dissatisfied. I mean, with life, and uh, and we want something more, right? We I think most of us experience that. I hope we all do. Maybe maybe not. Maybe you always have your needs met. I don't know, but um, but with Matthew, it's all about this experience of change. So then, that means that when we look at this particular story of Jesus, we start to see that this is the prerequisite of changing. And I do think that this probably happens throughout life, but, but at least in the beginning of really making drastic changes, changes, <laughs> changes in ourself, um, this, this, this is the entryway. This is the, the door to it. So, um, so the way that I read this story is that this is the beginning of changing and moving, merging into how we live in the world, our personal, authentic expression in the world, right? Because all of us are different and unique. And finding that message of why we personally exist and what moves us and what, what is it that we give in the world, that is most important. Not even for how it's going to impact others, but what is it that moves and ticks and ignites us? So this is what I believe the author's brilliantly communicating in the story. Um, And it also doesn't seem like a coincidence that the story that follows this little temptation um, scenario... uh, is that then Jesus begins living out his message, right? He starts interacting, he gets the disciples, he, um, you know, he's, he, starts, he, he's, he starts moving, operating in the world the way he does. So that's, that's kind of fascinating to me. So this temptation thing, obviously the way it's placed in the storyline is very pur- purposeful. So anyway, I'm, I'm also going to rattle some mental cages here, maybe some heart cages, with some thoughts here. So prepare yourself, strap yourself in, um, you know, say your prayers, because it might be a little controversial here. So first thing, my first question, just rhetorically, is what if this story is more symbolic than it is literal, entirely literal? I think maybe in some ways it happened, but, but, 
maybe the author's emphasis of how it happened is purposeful and it's not to fabricate anything. It's not to make something up, it, but it's, it's symbolically uh, written to help us understand something. So could it be that this story actually articulates what happens when we encounter change in ourselves and when we move from this place of, of trying to live externally to actually just being, just existing? And I don't mean existing in a nihilistic, apathetic way, but I mean vibrantly existing in the world. Um, and think of our own temptations, right, that pull us in directions that seem satisfying at the moment, but then steer us away from where change is actually taking us. So, uh, and, and, and that's the thing, is if we, you know, temptation, I know it sounds kind of archaic, and I just mean that there's this hunger inside of ourself that's nudging, nagging, you know, pulling at us, uh, to, to do something about it. And so, yeah, we're faced with these moments of this kind of fight in ourselves of like, man, I want to like feed this hunger instantly. So, um, and, and, and so there's this push pull experience within ourselves of giving into the hunger and then, and then pulling back from it and giving in and pulling back and wanting to meet it and, and find ways in the world to meet it. And then it ends up kind of inevitably leading to some kind of emptiness. So, so where I'm going with this is I think this story is actually about the ego. Now, the ego is a psychological term. It's not this, it's not a tangible thing. It's something within ourselves, right, that we all face. It's a voice inside of ourselves um, that, that nags at us incessantly to try to find ways to meet uh, some needs to, to find fulfillment. And in the end, when we do try to blaze our own path of trying to find that fulfillment, it ends up turning up empty or dissatisfied. Um, and so all of those temptations Jesus encounters, although those are specific to him, all of those uh, embedded in them have a relatable factor uh, of, of what goes on in our own lives. And I will, I will delve into that. And then the other thing is that devil character, uh, and again, this is going to be controversial, might actually be a metaphor for our own ego. And I'm actually going to go, I have another thing written, another podcast I'm going to do uh, addressing the devil and Satan and all that. So stay tuned for that. But, uh, so this devil character might actually be symbolic again. It might actually be a metaphor of what is going on in us. Because if you think about it, there's this interplay conversational interplay between Jesus and the devil, right? But it might be that Jesus is actually wrestling with something inside himself versus some kind of external force. Because if you think about it, we all have that kind of voice inside of ourselves, this pull to go somewhere and then this pull to hold back and not go, which I explained. So the ego is this force that gives this kind of unsolicited sales pitch, um, gives, kind of get us to give in to buy the product we think is going to satisfy our hunger you know, that we feel so strongly inside and to cure the emptiness that we're terrified exists in us. So a lot of this is really about encountering and feeling and embracing and welcoming and inviting, how many more words can I say, inviting this emptiness that that's really has a powerful message in us. The, the, the emptiness is there for a reason. The loneliness, the longing, the hunger, all of that 
is is purposeful. It all means something. Um, but it, but it's it's but the ego is trying to actually lead us somewhere to get a quick fix when the hunger is trying to lead us somewhere a, a different kind of fulfillment, a lasting fulfillment that quick cure can't fix. So, um, and and it's important to understand that these needs in ourselves, these cravings, are actually very very significant. They're beautiful. They're they're huge. They're they're a part of what makes us human. They're they're a compass. And uh, and then we all find ourselves looking to feed this in, in incredible ways. You just have to look at the way all of us function in society, the way society manifests. Like, and and you know, it's like there we're we move with through desire. We're fueled by desire. And if we can understand what this desire might be, that might help us live in a different way in the world. So. Um, so this is the way life works. It's a continuous search. We've got this hunger; it doesn't turn off. It's leading us to something, and so, and so Jesus' story is significant because the writer's wanting us to know this part of ourselves that when we're faced with this hunger deep in our soul, man, the search comes on, the light clicks on, and 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 so this is a story about a man wrestling with his own self, his own purpose in the world. So let's ex- explore the story. All right. Um, so first the story begins with Jesus going out in the wilderness. Now the wilderness is associated with wandering and wandering indicates, uh, metaphorically not yet knowing, feeling lost, but it's not about a physical land or territory. It's, it's about an internal territory, things that we don't know about ourselves, shadows within, right? Cause if you think about it, we're a mystery unto ourselves. Is that not true? Do you ever have these moments where, you have an emotional reaction or you act out of impulse not knowing what's going on and then afterwards you're kind of confused as to why the hell you did that. Yeah, that's because we're a mystery. And the beauty is we get to explore that and what we're looking for. And by the way, um, as a side note, uh, that exploration happens in the realms of, of relational intimacy. Hel- people, we helping it, people to know themselves and them helping to know us, right? That's, it's so cool. I'll talk about intimacy another time as well. So, um, so Jesus is led into the wilderness, and then something within him, which is called spirit, nudges him to go and search. And then he encounters the ego, that hungry beast inside that wants the cravings to go away immediately. And so first he feels this unrelenting muscular punch of hunger, which can be taken literally, right? Because um, it's presented that in the story. Or we can look at it metaphorically. We all feel this hunger, and this hunger, it's not a hunger that corresponds with food. It's more soulful. It's pervasive. It's deep. Its roots travel far down inside of us. Because, I mean, so many of us have access to to physical food, right? But then there's this other wrestling, like, you know, that happens inside of us. That food doesn't cure. Um, So what the story is possibly talking about, most likely, I would say, is that it's a hunger that's that's um, existential. It's about meaning in the world, our meaning. So it's about embracing and living in the world, about being connected, being present, being tethered to moving in the now, free of judgment, operating by the rules of love. It's it's a, it's we're hungry for fulfillment, to not feel this lack inside of ourselves. But paradoxically, in order in order for the lack, I hesitate saying not be there. Um, in order for us, let me let me say that because the lack will be there. In order for us to not be afraid of the lack, or 
to experience a different kind of fulfillment. Um, it, it requires us embracing the lack, the emptiness, the longing. Um, and and we, we shift from bending life to curb these inner rumblings to allow these inner rumblings to be a part of us living. It sounds odd. It sounds contrary. But in a way, that's how life works, actually. And this is one of the objectives of life, to embrace the pains, the joys, the satisfactions, and losses. So, um, so anyway, so, so here's Jesus, and he's confronted with his own hunger, and then the devil comes in, or his ego, and says, man, you can, you can, turn, these, you can turn this bread right now. You have the ability to end this hunger. You can use these mystical, magical, supernatural divine abilities and turn these stones into bread. You can do that, right? He has every ability to do that. But he doesn't. And that's weird, right? Because he's got this potent growl going on inside of himself and this ripe opportunity to use some powers, right? Because after all, it's just food. So what's the big deal? Well, supposedly in this story, it's saying something else. That somehow Jesus is confronted with this hunger, this soulful hunger, and the ability as well to end that. Now think about a lot of us in life, we feel this hunger, and we, a lot, some of us, especially in the United States, have the ability to try to satisfy that hunger, right? We have, some of us have a lot of money, and we can do beautiful trips, and get beautiful homes, and get beautiful cars. And I'm not judging that. I'm just saying that, that we're presented with this, these incredible opportunities to do some stuff, to try to make life uh, uh, f- and very enjoyable, to augment life, right? Um, and, and yet, even when we do that, there's still, what still turns up, what still washes to the shore, is that we're still hungry. Damn it, it's not going away. So the author is trying to communicate this specific temptation that we all feel this intense hunger and we all have some kind of capability, some more than others, to instantly gratify it. And you'd have to think, I mean, we could come up with endless scenarios of what that might be. It could be um, men who trick women into having sex with them and know the way of getting women into bed, right, to have sex with them. Um, but, But what's underneath that is a hunger for something more. I would say an intimate connection that they're not yet aware of, right? But somehow for a time, they're okay with that. It works for them. Um, you know, and again, it's not a judgment. It's just the reality of what happens. So men kind of craft these ways and they have these abilities. They, they know in some ways they can, they're attuned to women in the way that woos them. And they do that in a way to get certain need met. Um, instead of getting to know the woman, of engaging in intimacy in a whole different level, um, and in order to get kind of the, the, the quick nourishment, they have these ways. So anyway, um, but then, so, so then Jesus actually resists it, which makes me wonder that, that this isn't about a physical hunger. This is deeper than that. This, he's, he's, it's a hunger that's resistant, drought resistant, if you will. Um, but it's resistant to the quick fix. And so, um, and, and the reality is I've fallen into these grooves of feeling empty and looking for ways to nourish it. In fact, once I started to become more connected to myself the last couple of years, oh my God, I've felt so empty at times and so lonely. 
Um, and this is the human experience. And, and I've felt this, sometimes this imminent, like, reaction to, I've, I've, I've got to feed this. Um, so, so anyway, but, but these, but the, this emptiness, it's intrinsic, it's unavoidable, it's beautiful. And, and we go through this wrestling match in life, right? Of what does this all mean? What is this telling me? Why am I not satisfied? It's so frustrating. And so, and then the other thing, another thing that's important to note is, is this temptation and the next temptation, it starts off, the devil starts off saying, if you are the son of God. So this is a really important part because it highlights this conflict within himself, right? This crisis of identity. It seems to be that there's this tension of wanting to prove who he is, of wanting to know who he is, which is the, I'd say the beginning, right? Of understanding our own selves of who am I? Right and trying and there's this intensity of of wanting to prove that of wanting to seek that of wanting to know that and the doubt and the conflict and the questioning the uncertainty, um, and and this is about his own self his own purpose his meaning and ability in life, and that's critical for us to understand of how this connects to our own selves the inner conflict feeling lost these desperate these desperate attempts to know who we are, and the story. I believe, clearly illuminates this journey of becoming the self, our own self. And the next part is then, um, this next temptation is this whole cliff jumping off the temple into the angelic net performance, right? And so what basically how the devil presents it is leads him to the, to the temple, the top of the temple, and then says, hey, throw yourself off, Right? Because if you really are the son of God, man, you're going to have angels come in, swoop in, and pick you up, right? Because they're not going to let you, you know, they're not going to let you die. So do it, right? So again, this is his ego coming up, trying to trying to pull pull at him, say, come on, do this, right? And, and so first, you know, Jesus faces this internal fight, right? This hunger inside, wanting to know who he is, and then... Fascinatingly, it now brings him to this external uh, draw. And let me, let me explain. Because why would Jesus feel this pull to do some kind of death-defying, magical, miraculous stunt? And why would it be from the temple, right? Well, the temple was this place where people go to worship, to worship God, right? So this kind of stunt is obviously going to attract quite the crowd, and it's going to bring attention and spectacle, and such an act would send these blatant messages that Jesus was the Christ or the Messiah, right? The one that was coming that was going to save the world, which the Israelites were all in anticipation of it happening, right? They didn't know it was going to be Jesus, they just anticipated it. Um, and so the other thing that's that's an interesting observation is that um, Fast forwarding that when Jesus is now living out his message, right, walking, touching, healing people, all that impacting people, he often would tell people who he healed or intervened in some miraculous way to keep basically keep this a secret, right, to not share this with anyone, and of course they would go share it, right. So that's interesting that he was trying to keep this kind of this more clandestine. Um, more of a cloak and dagger kind of um, uh, engagement. 
And so that, yeah, that, that f- again, that kind of rings some alarms for me. So, um, so in his life, if we look at this further, in his life, he never announced who he was to anyone. Not via megaphone or social media or any kind of self-elevated way. Who he was poured out through the way he lived, through the way he engaged and loved others. And those that came to actually know him was through intimacy, right? It wasn't by some self-proclamation or advertisement. It was through the way he interacted with people. The, the people who traveled by his side, the people he looked in the eye of, the lepers he sat by and touched, the prostitutes he ate dinner with. I mean, it was all communicated through that. It wasn't some self-proclamation. It wasn't some advertisement. It was just... The advertisement was just by being. That's it. So it brings me back to this temptation then, where he's faced with the opportunity uh, and that powerful, compelling feeling to announce who he is through this grandiose gesture. And now bringing this to us, it's what we all encounter. It's this powerful desire to be seen, to be known, to experience amazement and adoration of others, to feel the overwhelming rush inside of of encountering another's praise. I mean, it, it, it is. It's an intoxicating feeling. And it's often something that we're in search of in personal relationships and beyond. It's something that I uh, strongly experience in myself of wanting people to agree with me, um, to, to root me on, to cheer me on, to, to be in agreement with everything, to... Um, to see me, to, you know, even when I post, I, let me self-disclose a little bit more that even when I post these writings and podcasts on Facebook, it's like sometimes I just, there's this hope that I'm going to get so many comments and write on and, and yet I don't, <laughs> I don't, but there's still something in me. It's like, but I still want to share this stuff. Yeah. Sometimes I experience a disappointment, but that, that's okay. That's that, that's that wrestling match that goes inside myself. Um, it's, it's a part of living. And, and yet it still doesn't stop me because sometimes I start thinking, well, do I need to alter this and alter that? And you know what? I can't because everyone is going to be impacted differently. I've had, I've had a friend that got angry at me for some of the things I've posted. I've had people, heard people not wanting to read the stuff that I write anymore. Um, you know, and, 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 and yet not say anything about it to me. And, oh, okay. You know, but, and I don't have any control over that. And I've, and that's a reality I've continually am having to come to and face. So anyway, um, back to the story. So yeah, I encounter this as well as any of us of wanting to be seen. It's, it's this, I think this, it's deeply embedded in us, um, to, to feel satisfied in ourselves. And, and, and yet the struggle with such satisfaction is kind of this attempt to be nourished through the validation of others. Um, and it's an unending struggle if we live in that way. Um, and it can only change, I believe, through the journey that's being communicated in the story. So often, you know, um, you know, I experience this intense desire to show the world who I am, really, through whatever means uh, that, that will end this ache that will fill, satisfy this emptiness. And I do. I, I want it sometimes so badly to be known in this world, to make an impact. I see people that I really like that travel, that share messages, that write these books, and, 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 and they're getting crowds. And I think about that and I think, 
God, I want that at times. I want that. And here I am <laughs> sitting in my room, you know, recording this stuff that, you know, is dense, it's deep, um, and, and yet I can't turn it off in myself. And I don't know the outcome. I don't know where this will lead. I just know that this is something I want to share. But yeah, it's discouraging at times. It's disheartening only because, yeah, I, I get, I drift into the, the, the pull of, you know, what's happening in the lives of other people. Um, but, but that's the thing. It's even underneath that need. It's not bad. It's, it's, it's good. It says, I want to make impact. That's what's so cool about all these needs that I want to talk about is that they're not bad things. We treat them as bad. That's not the point. Anyway. Um, so the push to be known, it's a powerful one. And, and to live in a time where we have this accessibility and means to get this need met, like through social media and whatnot, man, it only intensifies it. Um, so uh, one, and then one last note again is that phrase that if you are the son of God um, is, is mentioned again by the devil. And this is where, uh, you know, first it was used, used in his abilities to meet his hunger. And then this one is uh, to be, seems to be pointing to proving to the external to others who we are, right? So there, that growl is so loud in us. We want others to see who we truly are, to accept us, to love us, to approve of us. Um, and we use our various abilities to generate some kind of response. Our beauty, right? There's beautiful men and women out there. And, and they use, at times, they can use their beauty to be seen. Again, it's not a bad thing. It speaks, it, it, it only points to this intrinsic desire to be connected. Um, to, to be impactful in the world. Or some use sexuality. Some use their strength or their intellect or their creativity. Um, and that can all be a means actually to feeling connected and feeling loved. And that's what's so beautiful about this incredible need is that what we're crying out for is this, um, is this connectedness in the world, is this interrelatedness. Um, but there's this fork in the path, I think at the base of this need, uh, where we either attempt to shortcut it through methods of instant nourishment or, uh, or we take the longer path. Uh, which is way more challenging. And it's a path of being fulfilled in a way that I think ends up being sustaining and satisfying. And then the last uh, last temptation that the quote-unquote devil promises is that Jesus can have all the kingdoms of the world if he were to bow down and, and worship him, meaning the devil. Um, and so if we're looking at this metaphorically, right? So Jesus is faced with this opportunity of becoming powerful, right? This, the, the ego inside of him is, is uh, knocking loudly, saying, come on, come on, just give in. In a sense, basically, just give in. Man, you will be so powerful in this world. You'll be able to rule this world. So Jesus is faced with the task of this muscular current to use his abilities in a powerful way, um, in a way that, I think humanity has often used their abilities um, for power, for rule, for control. Again, to have impact in the world, but in a way that that um, that dehumanizes people and elevates the self, not in a way of 
emptying, of sacrifice, of giving. Uh, it's in a way of getting and using people to meet those needs. So he's faced again with that that um, fork in the road. And what I find interesting is actually the order of the temptations, which if it's written in this way, um, when you when you start back, it starts with this deep, intrinsic, cavernous hunger for something more, right? Then it's followed by this pull to be recognized and praised by others. And then what happens after that, once you kind of get people hooked in a way, like once they like you, once they're following you, guess what? Then the outcome might end up leading to becoming elevated to a powerful degree by the surrounding world. Here we're given prestige, respect, value, adoration, and the power to persuade and influence others to the way we want others to be influenced for our own, for our own self. So this has a powerful draw to it. And I think that if we don't actually take this journey of facing our own ego and those pulls and all that, what ends up actually happening, um, uh, hang on for a second, I got lost. Go back, go back, go back. So what ends up happening is if we don't face this, we will live in the world of controlling, of forcing, of bending life, specifically humanity, to meet our own internal hunger. And then we'll always live in ways avoidant of the emptiness and the hunger of our soul, which is screaming for a different kind of fulfillment, right? What it's looking for is, yes, to learn to be, to live, to have purpose and meaning in the world, right? But if you notice, uh, and again, this is going to be controversial, but Jesus denies and resists the fight to become a king, which is what society would have done. Had he listened to that part of himself, that ego, that could use his abilities right, in, in spectacular ways, he would have gained this kind of power and fame. And he had the opportunity, but he chose a different path. So where I'm going with this part is that modern Christianity, which is what I grew up in, has done what humanity reflexively does historically, which is to elevate, to deify, and to worship someone. And what they did is they made Jesus king, and this is what he opposed in the temptations, which was to become king. Now, some of you might turn this off and fight against this. That's okay. I get it. I've been working through this myself. But what he did is he actually chose a different path that he modeled for us to take. A path that requires going into our own self, one in which we face our hunger, the longings, the desires, right? All those internal, uh, that internal system where the, the, the lights come on the dashboard that's telling us that, that there is something significant about this that we're looking for. And, and, and also he chose a path that goes against the pull to feed into the ego as the ego directs. Because the ego, again, is that persuasive force. It presents a path that seems promising in fulfilling that deep-seated hunger, but actually it will lead back to emptiness. So what Jesus was actually doing was showing us the way of, of actual fulfillment. One that, if you notice, it results in living honestly and compassionately Genuinely, 
vulnerably, inclusively, annihilating barriers that humankind have constructed that keep each other away from each other, mending wounds, um, going into the societies of the obfuscated, I'm sorry, the outcasted, um, the hated, the ostracized, and moving in a way where he was, was compelled to move, listening to that voice within, not what he, what he thought he should have done or what he thought others, excuse me, what he thought others would think, um, just only, only what nagged at him, only what nudged at him to go and do. And, uh, and by the way, just, just on top of that, in terms of annihilating the barriers comment that I made about, you know, the barriers that we've created, right? Like, like, you know, that there's these segregated communities like that. I would love for that to happen where there is more of this integration, that the LGBTQ community uh, is interactive with the with those in the addiction community and those in the Buddhist community and those in the Christian community and those and and that where we're learning from each other, where we're engaging with each other in far different ways, where we're we're teaching one another and we're open to being taught and learning. That it's not even just this acceptance within ourselves, but but that acceptance within ourselves leads to an acceptance of others and learning and allowing them to teach us. So uh, anyway, and that's what Jesus inaugurated. Um, so I believe that that's why the author was intentional in how he put these sequence of events together. Because first there was this, these temptations, and then it came to living out the message, right? Collecting the disciples, uh, telling, you know, inviting them to follow, and, and then beginning this healing uh, impacting ministry. And this is how it begins, facing ourself, our ego, that we may live in the world knowing who we are, not what the world, quote unquote, or society dictates what we are to be. And so, um, obviously there's so much to uncover in the story. And I'm sure, I'm sure if you delve into it, you might see things that I don't, but, but the way I interpret the author's writing is that we, we come to a point where we're staring at two paths. There's that one path that pulls us in the direction um, where we can display our, you know, ourselves and our abilities for others to see, the motive to acquire adoration and praise of others, which ultimately would result in us controlling, subjugating, dehumanizing, abusing, oppressing others, right? It's this, this is the kind of path that happens when I believe we, we lack personally knowing our own selves, going, partaking in the inner journey. And when this is unclear, I think we will fixate on others uh, and, and shape our life, our image, our personality to their desires. I mean, think about it. The reason why uh, we have some of, uh, some of our personalities that we do, uh, it's not necessarily our true self, but they've been shaped in order to get love, to gain acceptance. Um, so, yeah, and, and so ultimately, like when we don't go into this uh, incredibly vulnerable journey uh, internally, then we're going to attempt to control others and their reactions to us. And that's what happens where end up, some people end up in power. I'm not saying all, that some people in power, such as rulers and dictators, they function in this way. They... they they live in this way of creating fear, and then people have to talk about them in in inauthentic ways, praising them, right? Because if not, they'll get they'll you know it could be death, it could be torture, 
So, uh, so this is the result. This this is the effect, the outcome of 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 not going inside and facing things and addressing the ego, right? And uh, and again, underneath. In the deep in the heart, I think of these rulers and dictators that do horrible things is really the the same hunger that's longing to have impact in the world. It's just not that way. And then there's that other path. It's the one that goes into the emptiness and into the loneliness. It welcomes it. It welcomes the pain. It allows all of that to shape and mold us. And, and I, I think when we go down this path, it actually helps us become more attuned to everything that exists in ourselves, why we're sad, why we're angry, uh, why we feel empty, why we uh, our sexuality, um, what else? Uh, yeah, just the, the, the wrestling, the restlessness, the frustration, all of that. Um, that when we become more attuned of what that means and listen to that, then it impacts how we relate and connect to others. And so this other path, I believe, is that which leads us to a greater knowing to where we discover who we are and the purpose of why we exist in the world. And that, my friends, is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's sometimes a fucked up journey, but it's beautiful nonetheless. And this is the crossroads we face. And yes, Maybe less and less I feel that pull to give in to the ego, to want to just be seen and display. But no, sometimes I do. And that's okay. That's all right. It is. It's going to happen. But just know that there's this calling to go down that other path. There's this calling to begin listening to our own selves, to living solely out of that. That's what I'm learning even as a therapist because I've been so imp- so caught up in producing an outcome for other people versus this is what I have to give. And that's it's going to take a little bit of some some work to get through that to that side. But it's worth it. And I'm glad I know that now. And so may you embrace everyone that beautiful tumultuous, turbulent, challenging, I'm really building this up, right? This incredible journey of the true self that you may live touching the world in incredible life-changing ways because, because you've experienced the, the harrowing, beautiful, wonderful journey inside of looking at, at why you exist and what it all means. Till next time.